This is episode 117 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're finishing up Winter Youth 2005. This is session seven. If you have your Bibles and they're not packed up yet, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 15. We've had a great time together. Matthew 15 is where you're turning. We've had a super time with you guys. It's been so great. The first night that I was with you, we looked at this amazing picture at who God was, our holy creator. And so even this morning, who he is demands that you and I come solemn, that you and I come sobered, and that you and I come with fear in our hearts before him. Who God is demands that every time that you and I come into a corporate gathering of worship, every time that you and I wake up and begin to live out one day, that we live it out with fear in our hearts. Boy, I hope we got that. We looked at at the dilemma. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place? And we saw that Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, has rescued us out of our deep dilemma, out of our deep depravity. And that because of Jesus, our hearts can be pure, our hands can be clean, And only because of Christ, not because of anything that you and I have done, but only because of Jesus, you and I can draw near and become worshipers of Him. That's a great thing. And then last night, we looked at becoming, we looked at becoming an intimate worshiper. An intimate, an intimate worshiper. Jesus' rescue of us out of our hostility out of our relationship as an enemy of God, His rescue of us out of that allows us not only to draw near in a setting like this to God, but it allows us every morning that we get up in our bedroom with our Bible to sit at the very feet of Jesus and linger on His words. What we have a tendency to do is to treat retreats like this, to treat winter youth, to treat the ski retreat coming up for you, to treat summer camp kind of like a hearing aid. My my grandpa, when he was about... 65 or something, he got hearing aids. And he really used these to his advantage because he could turn them up and turn them down anytime he wanted. And so what he would do is if, I mean, he couldn't hear without them hardly, but what he would do is if he did not want to hear us, if he just did not want to hear, you know, my grandma asking him to do something, he'd just turn that joker down. And so he couldn't hear anything. I mean, he had the little deal in his ear, but he couldn't hear anything, you know? But what we do is, is we just kind of go cruising through life like that a lot with our spiritual hearing aid turned down. We're not dialed into who the Lord is. We're not living out a life of worship. But oh, when it comes time to gather together like this, we just turn our hearing aid up. We just listen to what God has to say. But what we saw last night, guys, is this, is that you don't need a worship band to draw near to God. You don't need a big conference to worship Him, but rather because of Jesus, you and I get to be intimate, personal worshipers of the living Lord every day of our life. You, a personal worshiper of the living Lord. That's what we looked at last night. That's what we're longing for. That's what we have an opportunity to do. do. And what we saw was the most loving thing God could ever do was give you and I an opportunity to worship Him. Matthew 15 speaks about the real core issue about worship. 
I want you to look at it with me. We're just going to have a few moments together in, in His Word this morning, but I want you to look there with me. Verse 1 through 9, The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said... This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He opens up and it's kind of like this. The Pharisees are coming, the Pharisees are coming to Jesus saying, why do your disciples not line up in the traditions like we said? It's kind of like you going up to your friend going, why in the world are you not going to winter youth? I mean, this sucker has been going on for 50 years. Your grandma went to winter youth. Why are you not going to winter youth? That's kind of what it's like here. It's a tradition. It's what it means to be a conservative Baptist or just a Baptist in the Northwest or just a full-on believer in the Northwest. You attend winter youth if you're in high school. And so it's kind of like you rolling up to your friend who didn't come, saying, why didn't you come? That's, it's like you playing the role of Pharisee. Why in the world are you not a, a winner youth? And Jesus just gets straight to the heart of the issue, which is the heart. And he says, worship is about this one thing, and worship is about the heart. And so the reality is this. You may have been honoring Jesus all week long with your lips, shouting, singing, praying, but your heart may have been distant. You may have really loved the atmosphere in this room created by a bunch of people singing to the Lord, a bunch of people with their hands lifted to God. You may have really relished that atmosphere, but your heart from God's heart may have been very distant. And the reality is this, is your friend who didn't come to winter youth may have been a more intimate worshiper this week than you were if they took their heart to God. And if they lived out their life this week with the posture of their heart in honor and adoration toward God. Isn't that amazing? Worship is not just honoring the Lord with our lips, honoring the Lord with songs and prayers. Worship happens in the innermost part of who you are. It happens at the fiber of your being. It happens when you bring everything you are and lay it in the hands of God and you bring your heart to Him. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Where's your heart today? Paul's going to come and lead us because I believe that many of your hearts are postured in adoration to the Lord. I believe that many of your hearts have been swept away by our holy creator and you've been awed by what an amazing creator he is and how holy he is. And that there's fear in many of your hearts this morning. I believe as we looked at Jesus rescuing us out of our Osama bin Laden type heart toward God, that in your heart and in, in your mind, 
you were overwhelmed with the love of God, overwhelmed with the grace of God, and in His kindness, He has drawn you to Himself this week. And your heart toward Him is filled with love. And so Paul's just going to lead us. But as he leads us, and as we sing this one song, I want Jesus' words to ring into our ears. I want Jesus' words to ring into our hearts. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Hearts are far. What is a typical Sunday morning for you like? Hope as we are learning about worship you'll realize that it is vain worship for you to just roll in and just let the the words roll off your tongue when they're not flowing from your heart. So Paul's going to lead us. I invite everyone to bring your heart to the Lord in this moment. Lift your heart up to Him. Sing to Him from your heart. Don't hold back. Bring your heart to the Lord. I come before you. 
Again, I'm laying down all of my pride, all of my selfish desires before you, Lord. I'm laying down all of my pride, all of my selfish desires. I'm laying down all of my pride. All of my selfish desires again. I'm laying down all of my pride, all of my selfish desires. I'm laying down all of my pride, all of my selfish desires. I will not hold back. I will love you with all of me. And my desire is to be like you. And to love you with all of me. Jesus, I can be for you. I will not hold back. I will love you with all of me, and my desire is to be like you, and to love you with all of me. Frustration likely awaits many of us. We've been so challenged. to worship the Lord on his terms. We've got a vision of what it means to be a personal, intimate worshiper of the Lord. We just declared to God through song, I will love you with all of me, but the reality is that most of us will not. The reality is, is the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with everything that we are doesn't happen in our life. There's never a moment when we love God with all of our hearts. And that should humble us to the depth of who we are. Jeremiah 17.9 in the Living Bible translation says that the heart is, is desperately wicked. It's the most deceitful thing there is. No one can know just how bad it is. And so we may come into these gatherings and feel like, man, I have worshipped God with all of my heart. 
But we are so tainted with sin that there are little pockets in our heart that are hidden. There are little areas in our life that are not fully given to God. There are little things restraining us, sin, restraining us from loving God with everything we are. And so you can leave here today and walk out and walk right into another year of frustration if we don't focus upon what Jesus has done. And if we don't rest in what Jesus has done. Who can approach the Lord? The one with a clean hands and the one with a pure heart. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We're coming before the Lord's Supper here, the Lord's table. And maybe in your in your lifetime you've come to this and people have prepared you in a way to say, you need to get ready and you need to prepare yourself to come to the table. But how do you do that? How do you get your heart pure? How do you get your hands clean? What we saw is is that we can't. You can't. If it's up to you to get your life in order, to get your hands clean and your heart pure, in order to come in a worthy manner to the table, you are hopeless. You are helpless. You can't do it. Don't come. But if you realize your hopelessness, and if you realize the depth of your sin before a holy God, then you're ready. Because what we see here is the body of Jesus hanging on the cross, His flesh being torn, and the wrath of God being poured out on Him for sinners like you and me. And if you find yourself a sinner this morning, longing to worship God, but knowing that you can't fully with all your heart, and somehow you want your worship to be purified, you want your worship to be acceptable, the only way is to come to the table. The only way is to come to Jesus. The only way is to come and to eat His body and to drink His blood, to take Him in. And to say, Jesus, you are my only hope of pleasing the Father. But in you, I'm perfectly pleasing the Father. Through your blood, my worship is pleasing to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus spent time with his disciples, the disciples that didn't get it, the disciples that were failing constantly, the disciples that couldn't hardly understand what Jesus' mission was. He was with them. He knew of their intimate need of his death. And so he sits with them and he takes the bread and he says, this is my body. Ripped for you.
You have no hope apart from my bloody death. My torn body for you. And this morning I invite you to come and the Lord invites you to come humbly with a broken heart, understanding and just having a glimpse of the depth of your sin. To come and to, to feast. To feast upon forgiveness. To feast upon Jesus, the bread of life. To feast upon the one who by his death has forgiven us of all of our sins and has purified our worship before the Father. In the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He brought him a cup of, of the wine and says, This is my blood. Saying, I am about to die. I am about to spend my life out to perfect you so that you may be declared righteous, so that you may truly worship the Father. And that's what he says to us. Apart from him, we have no hope of being a worshiper. But hidden in Christ, coming and feasting at his table, our worship is perfected and purified and pleasing to the Father. Verse 26, for, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what are we doing? We're proclaiming something. What are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming that we are lost. We're proclaiming that we are undone as we t come and take the bread and drink the juice. We are proclaiming that Jesus is holy, that Jesus is righteous, and that we are wicked in our sin, that we are lost without Him, and we are proclaiming His holy, righteous death as the pathway for us to life. And so this morning you must come and embrace the bloody, crucified Jesus Christ as your only hope for peace with the Father. If you felt overwhelmed by your sin this week, you're at the right place to come to the table. We're going to come. I'm going to invite you to come. As we come, what we are saying is we are saying, we are ruined in our sin, but Jesus has freed us by His death. We are lost in our sin, but Jesus has come and rescued us. And so it's a humble celebration. It is, a, it is a solemn dancing before God. We're acknowledging our lostness, but we are celebrating His perfect death on our behalf for the glory of the Father. Paul's going to lead us through this time, through some different songs. And I want to invite you to meditate upon these things, upon the death of your Savior for your sake, to purify your worship before the Father. Here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to leave this weekend frustrated. You don't have to enter into a life of frustration. But rather a life of humility, knowing that you're going to be an inconsistent, intimate worshiper. Knowing that you're going to sin. Knowing that you're going to blow it. 
knowing that your passion to worship the Lord is going to be smaller than it ought to be, knowing that your love for God is going to be weaker than it ought to be, but knowing that because of the blood of Jesus, He declares us forgiven and righteous and our worship is holy and acceptable to God. And so you don't have to leave and live a life of frustration. You only have to live a life hidden in the death of Jesus. Resting in the death of Jesus. Daily coming. Identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I'm just going to invite you, when that's in your heart, of your desperate need for His death, I'm just going to come and invite you to humbly, with a heart of celebration, come and feast upon forgiveness. Come and feast upon Jesus. As Paul comes and leads us, you don't have to come immediately. You can wait and take that in, ponder that in your heart, celebrate as you sit, celebrate as you may stand and lift your hands, celebrate as you kneel, but celebrate in your heart. And as you're ready, you come. Some of you may want to run because your sin has just felt so heavy and you need freedom. Come. Come. Come to the death of Jesus. Come to the resurrection of Jesus. Let us come.